Welcome to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning. Welcome into the podcast. Today is Friday. It's February 18th. The year is 2022. And, uh, well, let's jump right in. It's a Friday, so we're going to do some questions. But first, I'm going to do some rants. And I'm going to rant because sometimes you're watching things and uh, you just keep dismissing all the negatives that you see. Uh, Because I think as you age, as you mature, You see things and you go, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. But then you watch situations unfold where uh, people are grossly unfair, grossly incompetent, or uh, maybe a combination of the two. Or you watch people who you had uh, hopes for in leadership positions and so on and so forth. And you find that they are failing by every objective uh, category. They just are. And uh, it gets frustrating. It really does. But here are some rants I'm going to do today. Okay? Just a few, but I'm going to get started with these. The first is the rescue. You know, a lot of people want to rescue. A lot of departments are like, man, you know what we need? What? We need a rescue. We need a big rescue truck. We need the biggest money can buy, or the cheapest money can buy, you know, whichever we can afford. Then we need to park it. We need to park it in a station. And we need to tell people that we have a rescue. We'll even make up t-shirts. You know, that, that's how committed we are to uh, having a heavy rescue. We're going to go out, we're going to buy the most expensive vehicle, we're going to park it with tons of equipment on it, and we're never going to roll a wheel. You know, well, in fact, we're not even going to staff it. There's my favorite rescues. Those are my all-time favorites. You know, you know what? Let's buy a rescue truck. But here's the thing. We won't put any people on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, an example of really poor leadership is buying things that you don't use or buying things that you don't need. And oftentimes, I am just stunned by the lack of accountability for people who make these really poor decisions. Look, here's the thing. The rescue with no one assigned to it, it isn't a rescue. It's not even a personnel carrier. It's not even a mobile manpower unit. Yeah, it's a rock. If you have a vehicle, especially you go out, you spend a million dollars on a rescue vehicle or half a million. You outfit it with all all you can. You know, you are like, yeah, we're committed to this. We are committed to this. And guess what? No dice. You know, if you have two people on it, it's still not a rescue. It's a cue because you can't add the RES because it's only half of something. Granted. Having two people assigned to it's awesome compared to none, but it's still below what you need to effectively operate a rescue. It just is. And I know there's a lot of pride out there. I hear people all the time say, we do more with two or three people than anybody does with four. That's a lie. Sorry. just doesn't add up. You can't. You can't do more with three people than you can do with four. 
If they're equally trained and proficient, it's impossible to do more with three than you do with four. There's a reason four is the minimum. It's a minimum. I had the opportunity to correspond with a politician yesterday evening who was writing in to ask me. Apparently they heard the podcast for the first time the other day. And I've actually met this politician. Wrote in and said, what do you mean by split staffing? What do you mean by short staffing? So I I wrote back and said, well, this is what I mean. This person came back with, holy cow. You know, does that happen often? And I told him, I said, not in good departments. No, it doesn't. Um, It doesn't happen very often. But it's something to think about um, when you're ready to praise people who don't deserve praise. Just something to think about. So what about this Q, the Q with two people? Okay, well, it's better than zero. But what I also told this politician was, you know what? If your department is committed to a heavy rescue, I'm not talking about a light rescue. I'm talking about a heavy rescue or one that purports to be a heavy rescue. And it's parked and not rolling. You don't have a rescue. You have a money pit. That's what it is. It's the same thing with people who park ladder trucks. They'll spend a million dollars on a ladder truck, and guess what they do? We don't want to roll it. Well, why not? It might get used. The tires, we might have to replace the tire. We might have to change the oil. Then they wonder later on when a, when a rig has tremendous problems. Tremendous problems. Like, well, I don't understand it. We don't even run it. That's why it's breaking. That's precisely why it's breaking. Rigs are built to be put on the road. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, if you have a rescue that's parked, it's not a rescue. No, it's not. It's merely a rock. Enjoy your rock. So, here's a second pet peeve. Or rant, I should say, not a pet peeve. Lazy, right? When people walk in, and, and you see it, right? I mean, I've, I've been all over the country. I've been around the world once or twice. I've visited a lot of fire stations. I've been in a lot of fire stations for a very long time. And typically within five minutes, if you've been in enough, you can look around and go, yep, yep, no work gets done here. There's no running calls. There's no training. There's nothing. These are the people who complain the most about how things are. I'm sorry. If you're going to sit and gripe and you're not doing anything, your gripes are almost always without fail unwarranted. That's part of the problem. Some guys will go, you know what? We need to be treated like the FDNY. We need to be treated like LA. We need to be treated like Houston. We need to be treated. And they'll go on and on and on. And they'll they'll pontificate for hours. Sitting in a recliner, laying on a couch, kicked back, constantly complaining, wondering why other departments have great re- reputations. You know why they have great reputations? 
They're not always sitting in a recliner, laying on a couch, in the bed. It always kills me when people say, man, we, we got to sleep. Like, you know, we run calls. Like, okay, how many did you have, la- you know, how many did you have your last night tour? We probably ran five or six. Oh, well, pardon me. Sorry about that. I, all right. Don't sit and gripe. Stand and work. If you're going to complain about things, at least be doing something when you're complaining. It gets old. And lots of times, not always, but lots of times, the guys who complain the most are those who do the least. And what they'll tell you, and they'll tell you with a straight face, because they can't see themselves for, to save the world. They'll say something along the lines of, well, you know, I've put in my time in busy departments, or I've put in my time in a busy station. And it's like, you know, you just want to look at them and go, no, you haven't. It doesn't matter. Do your job. Know it and do it. It's that simple, guys. I don't mind listening to people complain. I really don't. Because a lot of times in the fire service, there are people who have legitimate complaints. You can learn a lot. But don't complain while at the same time doing absolutely zero. It gets old. And it makes you look bad. People laugh at people like that. But, of course... You know, not always. And I think leaders think they're doing other people a big favor when they don't require them to do anything. But really, you're fostering a non-firefighting atmosphere. You really are. Bad departments don't become bad departments by accident. They don't. You don't just slip into being horrible at what you do. It's chosen. It is. You hire bad people, you hire lazy, incompetent slobs, your department becomes lazy, incompetent slobs. And you did it on purpose. Cronyism, nepotism. You know, you hire people who don't work. Why would you expect them to do anything? And typically the people hiring lazy, incompetent people are lazy, incompetent people. They don't know what they're doing. They play at it. They love saying, oh, I'm a firefighter or I'm a leader. Look at me. But they're really not good at their job. And everyone knows it. That's the sad part. Everyone knows it except these clowns. You hire lazy people. It's what you get. Get a lazy department. That's the way it goes. Here's what I think. Time spent on the couch is time wasted unless you have been running calls or training all day. Don't get me wrong. I have no problem with sleeping in a recliner or on a couch. Don't care about it. But at least do something. Don't pretend you're doing something. I'll I'll share this with you. There's a department that I'm watching. You know, they're fixing to get a rude awakening. Very, very rude awakening. For all the world, they think they got everything licked. They do. They're riding high, and they're fixing to crash. And it's unfortunate because they got good people there. They also have too many people who don't care. They also have too many people who don't get it. And it shows, and they're in for a rude awakening. And when it happens, it's going to be unfortunate. But I'm confident of this. Those that are lazy, they're going to look around and go, I can't believe this happened to us. They'll be the most confused of all. Because they're lazy, they'll be confused. Let's get to some questions. 
Um, Fridays, we answer questions, right? Try to anyway. First one is, uh, and these are sent in by you, the listeners. Why do people continually go back to leather helmets? Our department is transitioning back to them. What gives? Um, you know, I think, uh, based on what I've been told, that fire departments have found that there is almost zero difference between helmet models with respect to injuries, with respect to fatalities. Tell me this, when's the last time somebody was killed where it was attributed to their helmet? When was the last time that multiple people were injured because of their helmet choice? Exactly. I think very often what we get into is a battle of marketing. Firefighters come down on different sides of the marketing push. And because of that, we have people who are constantly transitioning from one helmet to the next. I wore leather helmets. I've worn uh, the plastic helmets. Um, I've worn helmets that sucked, and I've worn helmets that I've liked. And the one thing about all of them is that they all protected my head. You know, that, that's the way it goes. So why leather? I think for some people, it's a personal choice. They want to go with leather. They like tradition. They like the way it looks. They like the way it feels. Why go with non-leather? I think for people, it's personal choice. Uh, they like the way it feels. They like the lightness. They like the way it looks, yada, 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 whatever. Here's the reality, I think. Marketing. The push for safety has been so swift. And we are always looking at line of duty death reports. We're looking at injury reports. We're looking at just what, quote, feels right, end quote. But I think what we fail to look at is marketing. Marketing is uh, the art of getting you to buy something that you might not normally buy. And I'm sure they'll say, well, we're introducing you to a superior product. Not always. I don't care which way you go. It's not always a superior product. You know, every year that a new pair of jeans comes out, it's not necessarily a tremendous breakthrough. It's all marketing. And people say, well, we should spare no expense when it comes to safety. Well, it's a good thing you say that. That's also a marketing ploy. Here's the bottom line, I think. Whatever helmet is chosen or you choose, take care of it. Know your job. Try to avoid situations where you might get a head injury. Right? It's like telling a pilot in many ways, hey, try not to crash the plane. Bad things happen. You could be wearing a steel vault on your head providing your neck could support it and still die of a head injury. Let's dispense with the marketing BS and with the safety versus non-safety and all the other arguments that really don't matter. Try to protect your noggin. It's the only one you have. Choose a helmet that you find comfortable. And do your best. Life is not zero sum. You might get hurt. Chances are you won't. 
Statistically speaking, you're probably not going to suffer a head injury. But there's no need to be stupid about it. You don't go out into a thunderstorm with lightning cracking all around and start holding up pieces of metal saying, haha. But it doesn't mean that every time there's a thunderstorm, you should bury yourself under 80 feet of rock. This is life. Live it. And if you're all that concerned, if you're so concerned about personal safety, by all means, leave the fire service. Just get out. Go do something safe. You know, go do something safe. I mean, it's what you want anyway. Second question. Um, Our department's preparing for an inspection. We're really deep cleaning the vehicles. It's taking forever. Uh, What do you think about deep cleaning vehicles for an inspection? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I I think that by and large... uh, Unless you're running lots of calls during the day, 8, 10, 12 calls a day, you should wash the rig, keep it clean. Um, I don't think that there are many instances where uh, somebody should go, yeah, you know, we're not going to wash the rig today. Why aren't you washing it? Yeah, well, we went and got breakfast. Oh, okay. You know, look. People don't like to hear this, but there are reasons why you wash rigs. There are reasons why you wash your, your behind. There are re- all these things have reasons. You may not like them. You may not, but there are reasons. It's why so many people have difficulty in the military. It is. It's why. And it's why I think veterans uh, overwhelmingly, in, in many instances, end up being good firefighters because they understand that there are things that you have to do to get things done and it's best just to do them get them done i'm not talking about deep cleaning a vehicle every day i'm not talking about that what i'm talking about is is keeping the rig functional i have looked in rigs where i've been maybe drilling with a guy or whatever and you go and you take a nozzle out in the nozzle is filthy and you're like wow they must have just had a job like 20 minutes ago turns out they hadn't had a job in like four months but everything is filthy everything that's incompetence it is i mean we can we can disguise it we can say wow you know real fire departments don't clean things yeah well real fire departments go on jobs too that i mean that's what they do right um imagine that real football team that you support if they only play football twice a year Mm, Is that a real football team? No. So keep the equipment clean. Keep the equipment clean because think about this. You get a law enforcement officer involved in a confrontation and has to discharge a firearm. What happens if it doesn't discharge because the thing hasn't been cleaned in four years? What do you think about that officer? My feeling would be that that's an incompetent slob. They don't know what they're doing. I feel the same way about firefighters who don't clean equipment at all. I hate finding filthy equipment because to me, it's a direct reflection of the person in charge of the rig, the officer in charge of the rig, and the people in charge of the fire department. Understand this. I'm not talking about keeping everything squeaky clean. That also can be a sign of a department that frankly isn't doing their job. It just is. 
there's an obsessiveness that's unhealthy for an organization. However, has anyone ever said that, you know, those, uh, the rockets we send into space, they sure are too clean. No, they keep them clean for a reason. It keeps them functional. And again, walk into a department, any department, go up to a rig, and unless they've had four or five jobs in the last week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, there's no need for the equipment to be in, in, uh, in chaos and disorder. There just isn't. A lot of people would find themselves in deep trouble if they had to go to a department that functioned as a fire department as opposed to just a place where you hang out and uh, get paid for it. There's a big difference. Here's another one. In some civil service departments, I know about guys getting a veteran's preference. They get five or ten point preference. Um, why is this? And what do you think about it? Well, why is it? It's because um, governments have realized that we owe a debt of gratitude to those who serve. And I am wholeheartedly for it. Uh, and I'll admit, I'm a veteran. Um, but I agree with it. I really do. Uh, when people decide to go do something for someone other than just themselves, when they uh, support and defend the Constitution, I believe that there are certain... Uh, they, they should be able to receive preference when it comes to hiring because they went and served. Now, does this mean that all veterans make great firefighters? Absolutely not. It's not even close. No, it doesn't mean that. I meet turds who have been veterans. Um, I talk to them, um, and they're absolutely horrendous at what they do. Nobody likes them. Nobody wants to work with them. It's just the way it is. But they're a veteran. And I agree with them getting a preference point or points when it comes to hiring. Um, it takes all kinds to make up the United States military. It takes all kinds to make up a fire department. And there are, um, there are certain advantages to hiring veterans. This is not the case 100% of the time, but I think it's far greater than the uh, regular non-serving population. So do I agree with it? Yes. Um, but here, here's my caveat. I believe in it within the framework of hiring somebody. I don't believe in it with respect to promotions or things like that. I think you get your one-shot veteran's preference is to be hired. Um, you get an extra point or five points, whatever the case may be, and you're in that particular scoring system, and then you move on from that. Everything else should be 100% performance-based, which in many departments it's not. It's 100% how much rear end can you kiss or um, you know things like that. We see that way too often. Uh, just the way it is. Finally today, this is a good one. So sometimes people will bring stuff to me and they'll say, yeah, our department's struggling with XYZ. And of course, I try to help. Might talk about it on the podcast, depending upon whether or not they're trying to help themselves, um, so on and so forth. So I get, I get this. Uh, why aren't you helping our department more? Um, you know us. You know who we are. So why aren't you doing more? Hmm. Well, that's a good question, and I'm going to address it. 
The thing about helping any department anywhere at any time is that um, oftentimes uh, you don't always see things the very same way that, that a group of firefighters might see them. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. And from my perspective, there are a couple of things that have to be taking place. Number one, in my opinion, it should almost always involve a life safety issue. What's a life safety issue? Um, uh, short staffing can certainly be one. Poor equipment, poor leadership, um, abject failures in tactical uh, considerations or strategic considerations on the fire ground. Um, so for me, a big part of it has to be a safety issue. Second part, or second point, is that they have to be doing something to help themselves. That's a big one for me. Uh, oftentimes guys will say, man, I want this to change. And you're like, okay, well, what have you done? I can't afford to do anything because I don't want to get fired. Uh, all right, well, if you're not that concerned, why should I be? I've had this happen more often than, than I'd care to mention. You know, once people start wanting to help themselves, and yeah, maybe you can help them out um, in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's not always public. Maybe it's behind the scenes. Um, if it's really bad, then I'll try to rally support, and I'm fairly good at that. I can rally support from a lot of different people from all over. Um, number three, what are you doing on the job? So that kind of references what I was talking about earlier. Earlier, Are you a recliner hero? you know, a couch champion. If I walk in, are people always in the bed or are snugged up in front of the TV? Or Are they running calls? Are they good when they run calls? When they get on scene, are they pretty good? Because it matters to me. It does. It matters to me that, that the people who are doing things are competent at it, right? Um, maybe they're struggling because they don't have enough people. Maybe they're struggling because of poor leadership. Maybe they're struggling because of the, uh, you know, the right equipment, so on and so forth. There are many reasons for that. But by and large, if somebody is always sitting around, you know, they always have the phone right in front of their globe, and they're complaining, you never see them do anything other than grudgingly get up and get on the truck, you know, uh, when they have a call, if that's all they're doing, that's, I'm sorry. I mean, good luck. I, I wish you luck. But I'm not going to get involved. And even if I do, it probably won't be in a big way. Why? I think you have to do the job. And the job is more. People don't like to hear the job is more, more than stepping on the truck. It just is. You don't have to like it. It doesn't matter. But that's the way it is. That's 100% the way that it is. And again, don't like it? Well, there you have it. Don't need help. You don't. I've never met anyone that, need, I've never met anyone that needs help being uh, lazy, not doing anything. I've just never met them. They're typically very good at it. They come up with a thousand reasons why they're just sitting around. Oh, they'll talk about, no, well, you don't see what I do when I'm not here. That's because no one sees what you do because you're doing what you do at home the same you do here. And why help people like that? I mean, you know, seriously. 
Incompetent is incompetent. That's the way it goes. Also, sometimes people bark to be heard. You know, it, it, it's they fall in love with the attention they're getting. That's a bad thing for a department. It's a bad thing for any organization that's trying to affect change. If the person is in love with being heard or seen, you've created a monster. So that's another reason. You can tell the genuine ones. You can. Almost without exception. Finally, I'd say this. I'm always willing to help. Just like there are people out there who'll tell you, I'm always willing to give advice. But you might not like some of my advice. Well, that's kind of how it is, too, with me. If uh, <laughs> This is a tough one here. But if someone constantly asks you to help and it's for a, a change they're seeking or something that they're seeking that is not going to improve the department. Why do it? You know, I'll tell you something that, that I learned many years ago. If your lead is always, say, money, vacation, things like that, you're not going to be able to hold, you're not going to be able to hold the public's attention. You're just not. You may be able to hold their attention once, but you could never go back to that well again. You always have to relate it to something that has to do with the good of the community. It's kind of like saying that you'll help with a bucket on the Titanic as you watch it go down. Uh, I'll help get people off the Titanic, but I'm not going to get on there and try to bail it out with a bucket. Um, it's going to sink. That's what's going to happen. So, all that's a convoluted way of saying if you want people's help, show people that you're doing something besides just complaining. That's the bottom line. That's going to do it for today. Um, I hope that everyone has a uh, good Friday. And uh, until next time, stay safe.